Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning again, and welcome again to Canyon Creek. So glad that you're here this morning. I also want to take a second welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today as we're in the final week, as we're wrapping up this series that we've been in called Family Life. And for the last few weeks, we've just been talking about the importance of raising up the next generation well. And it's not just for parents, it's for all of us because we all have a responsibility to raise up the next generation. We all have something to learn from scripture about the impact that we make on the people who are growing up around us. And it's our responsibility to shape them for a season so that they can go on to shape the world. And the reality is, we only get a short little season of life to do that, right? We only get a short little season of life to raise them up or to train them up. So we wanna make sure that we're making the most out of every single moment of that short little season. Uh, And my prayer for us as we wrap up this series is that this conversation that we've been having would really be a catalyst for greater efforts when it comes to our homes, our families, raising up the the next generation. It's definitely something that we need to be more intentional about. Uh, We need to be more intentional about praying for the next generation, about modeling the life and love of Jesus for them. And uh, it's incredible to see the way our church is growing. And as our church grows, we see more and more young people and more and more children, and that's awesome. We had like 12 babies born in our church between the fall of 2021 through 2022. So don't stop, all right? That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, But that's awesome. But what that means is that we have a lot of work to do, okay? And you may not know this, but between our children's ministry and our youth ministry, we're serving about 75 children each and every week, 75 from birth through high school. And here's what that means. That means we have work to do. That means we need your help. There are a lot of little souls that need to be invested in. And some of the children here at Canyon Creek are just a year or two away from leaving home and going off to make a difference in the world. And then others are just trying to survive the playground and make it through first grade, right? They're at all different places in life. Uh, And we want to pray for them. We also want to pray for people who are pouring into them. We want to pray for parents and grandparents and teachers and school administrators and families that God would guide them, give them wisdom, give them patience. And uh, most importantly, we really want to pray that families would form deep relational connections with God and with each other. All right. So we're going to wrap this up today. Then we're going to move on to something else. But today, as we finish out, I want to talk about how we launch children into the world. Let me say it this way. We're gonna talk about how we as a family live on mission together. As we get our children ready to go and make a difference in the world, how do we launch them properly? Uh, And if you remember what I said all the way back in the very first week of this series, I said that our faith should be a launch pad for the next generation. And that's exactly what we should be doing with our children. We're training them up and then someday we're going to launch them out into the world. So we wanna be a good training ground, absolutely, but we also need to be a really good launch pad. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. I really want you to have this image of a launch pad in your brain. How do we serve our children as a good launch pad? How do we send them out well? How do we live on mission together? 
Uh, and I have a friend that, that I've known for a few years now that he's a pastor in Florida and he lives just a few miles just across the water from where the Kennedy Space Center is just outside of Orlando. And he was telling me just a couple of months ago that when they're getting ready to launch a rocket, where he lives, the people take things off of shelves, they take pictures off of the walls, they rearrange the garage so things don't fall on the cars. That's the kind of impact that those rockets have when they're launched on the community around them. Uh, basically, he says, when they're getting ready to launch that rocket, the ground is going to shake like it's never shaken before. And typically things fall. Pictures fall, they break, things fall out of the cabinets and they break, it happens every time. In other words, the community feels the impact of that launch. And in the same way, when we launch our children out into the community, we want the community to feel the impact of that launch, all right? We want the surrounding culture to be influenced and impacted by our children. But that's not going to happen if we're not influencing them and impacting them the way we need to be at home, okay? So our text today is Psalm 127. Uh, we typically focus on this passage and we focus on either the beginning or the end. This is what it says. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Let's pause right there. Unless God's doing the work, there's no point. Essentially is what this verse is saying. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. And this is where we kind of shift gears a little bit. The Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows. Everybody say arrows. Arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So this is kind of two pieces, this psalm. The first part, it's important for us to know that if God isn't involved in the work that we're doing, then our work is done in vain. Or as this translation says, our work is wasted. If God isn't the center of the work that we're doing at home, then our work is done in vain. Our work is wasted. Then the psalmist changed gears a little bit and the Bible says, children are a gift from the Lord, a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. That's the part of the, the passage that I really want us to focus on today. Children are like arrows in a warrior's hands. In other words, they're not going to stay with me forever, okay? What do you do with arrows? You launch them, you send them out. At some point, they're going to be launched. There's a world out there waiting for what they have to offer. So for a short season, they're gonna stay in your hand, right? For 18 years or so, they're gonna stay under your roof. And during that time, they're completely relying on you for provision. During that time, it's your job to take care of them. It's your job to protect them. It's your job to watch over them. And we want them to be safe and we want them to be healthy and we want them to be holy. We want them to be happy. So we do things together. We make memories together. They're under my care. They're under my protection. They're under my provision. Until they leave the nest, they're under your care. But your job is not to hold on to them forever. At some point, your job now becomes to release them some point, your job becomes to release them confidently, to release them to make an impact, to launch them out into the world to make a difference. So I want to give you a quote this morning that's meant a lot to me. 
as a pastor leading a church, says this. A great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment makes a great church, okay? Now, if you're here this morning and you're not familiar with these terms, that's okay, I'm gonna explain them to you. The great commission refers to the moment when Jesus gathers his disciples together and basically tells them, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, teach them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember good news, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the great commission, okay? It's when Jesus sends his disciples out and says, I want you to go tell everyone in the world about me. The great commandment refers to the moment where Jesus teaches the crowd that the most important thing you can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. According to Jesus, these are the two most important things. That is the great commandment. So in the great commission, in the great commandment, there are five key instructions for us to follow. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's the first thing. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. And then we add the great commission in. Now we have this command to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us. So those five things, that's the great commission and the great commandment. And again, a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment makes a great church. And as I prepared for this series and sort of wrapping this up, I started to think that this is also true for a family, okay? A great commitment to the great commission and a great commandment makes a great family. If you as a family unit consciously remember that the world needs the love of Jesus, if you consciously remember that the world needs the message of the gospel, if you constantly and consciously remember that you can share that message with them, if you're constantly thinking about how you and your family can love God together, if you're constantly thinking about how you and your family can love your neighbors together, if you are constantly thinking that as a family, God is going to do great things, that happens when we forge in our families a great commitment to both the great commission and the great commandment. But when there's not a commitment to that, when you're focusing on yourselves instead of others, when you're focusing on taking care of you and meeting your needs and loving yourself instead of loving God, when you're focused on creating a comfortable home where nothing is challenged and where you settle for mediocrity and where you really just get by and where you pretty much just survive until the children graduate and move on and then we, we praise the Lord for that. If that's the value that you convey, then your children are going to be launched into the world without any commitment to the great commission and the great commandment. And that is tragic. But the reality is, that's how we got to where we are today. So what I wanna do for our time together this morning is to give you a few ways that we can forge this great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment. I wanna give you a few ways that we can be a good launch pad for our children. This is how we cultivate this great commitment to the great commission, the great commandment. This is how we launch our children into the world with these things constantly in the forefront of their minds. There's a few things that we need to do. The first one is this, see the world together, okay? Now, when I say this, see the world, I don't mean that you wanna travel all over the world with your children and take them to visit as many places as you can just for the sake of being a tourist, okay? Let me make this very clear. This has nothing to do with tourism, okay? Has nothing to do with going and visiting and seeing the world. There's nothing wrong with that, 
But that's not the point. You don't just want them to see the world. Here's what you want them to do. You want them to notice the people, okay? In other words, I want my children to be aware of what's happening in the world outside of our home, okay? Our home must never be so much of a bubble that we're unaware of what's happening in the world around us, in the world far from us, right? Our children need to understand the vastness of humanity. They need to understand the vastness of diversity. We need them to understand what kind of brokenness exists in the world. We need them to understand what kind of needs there are in the world. We need to un- them to understand what life looks like for other people. Ultimately, we want them to understand that not everyone in the world is just like them. We need them to understand that people are very different all over the world, right? We need them to understand that the world is full of different kinds of people and that God loves every single one of them. We don't want our children to grow up thinking that it's just the people that look like us that God loves. We don't want them to grow up thinking that it's just the people that live in our country that God loves or just the people in our church that God loves. We need to send our children into the world with an understanding that God gave his only son, Jesus, for every single human being on this planet. And sometimes they speak different languages. Sometimes they come from different cultures. Sometimes they dress differently than we do. Sometimes they eat different foods than we eat. Sometimes they've even been brought up with a different faith than ours. But I want my children to want those people to know Jesus, but that'll never happen if they're not first aware of them, right? Our children, they need to see the world. They need to notice the people. They need to have an acute awareness of the brokenness and the suffering in the world. We need to raise them in such a way that they understand it's not all about me. It's not all about my little safe zone. It's not all about my little comfort zone. It's about all the people that God loves. And that's every single one of them. We need to give them eyes to see the needs, see the hurts and see the brokenness that's happening all over the world. We need to see the world and notice the people together. When our children see all the people of the world as people who are loved and valued by God, they will love and value them too, okay? You with me this morning? Here's the second thing we need to do. Number two, love your neighbor together. We need to do this as a family. We need to practice loving our neighbors together because when your children see you serving people, it's gonna do something inside them. So find a way to serve together as a family. Give your children the opportunity to be involved. Don't just make them watch from the sidelines. Love your neighbors together, okay? This is why I love some of the big family events that we do every year, like First Blessing and Trunk or Treat, because they're excellent opportunities for families to serve the community together. And I think of Jesus, man. When Jesus told us to love our neighbors, he illustrated his point by talking about how this good Samaritan cared for someone who had just been beaten up, okay? So he obviously had in mind for us to do something tangible. Jesus obviously intended for us to get our hands a little bit dirty. We were gonna get involved in the mess, right? In other words, it's not just about talking to your neighbor. It's not just about being nice to your neighbor. It's not just about waving to your neighbor from the car and then hitting that button to shut the garage behind you, right? Those are all good things. But Jesus illustrated the love your neighbor idea by talking about how this good Samaritan cared for somebody who had just been beaten up, right? 
So these are all good things, but Jesus wants us to really love our neighbors. He wants us to really serve our neighbors. We need to constantly be asking ourselves, how can we serve our neighbors and love our neighbors as a family? It needs to be a family practice, okay? Here's the third thing we do. Number three, we need to be generous together. We need to be generous as a family. And this is where a lot of families draw their dividing line, right? It's over finances. If the children have a question about money, the parent's first response is usually, well, that's none of your business, right? We're we're not gonna talk about that. That's off limits. And because we've done that, we've created a culture where a lot of people don't have any idea what it means to be responsible with their money. That's what we've done. We've created a culture where people don't know how to manage their money. We've created a culture where people have a very unhealthy relationship with money. We've created a culture where people have a very unhealthy relationship with material things, or they're constantly filled with guilt over money, or they idolize money. We treat it like it's the most important thing in the world, or they leave their hands out of it and they say, oh, it's gonna take care of itself, right? The rent's gonna get paid somehow. These are the financial philosophies that we tend to adopt. But at the end of the day, I really want my children to know and understand that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? See, God calls us to be generous. Not just the adults, the children. He wants our children to be generous and we have to teach them how. Whether it's the $2 allowance or the $20 birthday money or the first paycheck, we need to teach them how to be generous. We need to model it for them. Remember, it's never just telling we have to show. We have to show them how. We give this first 10% back to God and we have to show them how we steward the other 90% well. We have to show them. If you practice this as a family now, your children will grow up and they'll be more generous because they watch you live it out. They see you living generously and it's going to affect them in such a way that they're gonna do the same thing. Our approach with money must always be This is a gift from God and he can have it back whenever he wants it, right? We need to be generous together. Here's the fourth thing. We need to pray together. We need to pray together as a family, okay? We need to pray with our family and we need to pray for our family. And if you're wondering where to start, just ask God to protect your children, right? Easy. Yes, we need to love them. Yes, we need to bless them. Yes, we need to build confidence in them. We need to form their identity around Jesus. We need to teach them about life. We need to teach them some practical skills. We need to teach them how to use their life for good. But don't forget that a huge part of that is just keeping them spiritually prepared for life by praying for them and praying with them. Because when you pray for your children and when you pray with your children, they will find out what's important to you, okay? Now, as we wrap this up, you might realize here we are in week five and Josh hasn't said anything about bringing your children to church once in this entire series, okay? I wonder why. Going to church is great. I think everyone should be in church every week. I think when you're planning out your week, church is the number one priority when you're setting your schedule. Nothing should take the place of church, okay? And you wouldn't believe how often we have conversations with parents 
who come to us and say, man, I just really don't understand why my children aren't following Jesus. Well, have you shown them? Have you modeled it? Have you placed church as a priority over your life? Or is church the first thing that gets moved off the schedule when we have something else? But the reason that I haven't harped on this is because you're here, okay? (laughs) In this series, I've mostly talked about what happens outside these walls. Absolutely, every time the church is open, you should want your children to be here. But here's what cannot happen. You can't allow coming to church to replace the things that you should be doing outside of church. Otherwise, it's not gonna translate. In other words, you can't say, well, we don't pray together as a family, but we do go to church. You can't say, well, we don't ever read the Bible together as a family, but we do go to church once a month, maybe. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? They need to hear it from mom and dad. They need to hear it from grandma and grandpa. They need to hear it from the adults who influence their lives day after day after day. Pray for them, pray with them, okay? Let me give you a vision for this. What if your child's first instinct when something went wrong in their day was to pray? What if? Not to worry? not to be anxious, not to panic, not to be upset? What if their first instinct was, I need to pray? If someone bullies them on the playground, what if their first instinct, I need to pray? If they worked hard and prepared for this exam and they took it and absolutely bombed it, what if their first instinct was, I need to pray? What if when they hear something that doesn't quite line up with what they believe or have been taught at home, In that moment, what if their first instinct was to pray? Here's the cold, hard truth. Prayer will never be their first instinct if they haven't learned it from mom and dad. That's it. It will never become their first instinct if it isn't your first instinct. So we need to launch our children well. We need to see the world together. We need to to notice the people, right? Help your children be aware of other people's brokenness in a healthy way. Don't try to hide it from them, right? They need to see the world. They need to notice the people. We need to love our neighbors together. We need to practice this as a family. We need to be generous together. We need to pray Together, and the final thing is this, number five, release your children for significant kingdom impact. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, release them into the world, launch them into the world. They'll make a significant impact. They'll make a difference. They'll do great things, okay? How many of you have ever shot a a bow and arrow before? I had one growing up. We had a big backyard and I had some targets and it is the most satisfying thing in the world to pull that back and aim it and have it hit that box. You know what I'm talking about? It is far more satisfying than shooting a gun in my opinion, right? Having that arrow and pulling it back and aiming it 
and it nailing that box. Or if you're like me, you're like nine years old with the arrows in the backyard shooting them straight up in the air, right? <laughs> they're not, they're not, you know? I'm sure I'm not the only one who did that. But, but when you shoot an arrow, you're aiming at a target, okay? And how well you've trained is gonna play a big factor in that, whether or not you're gonna hit that target. How good or not good your aim is, is going to play a big role in whether or not you're gonna hit that target, right? We talked, this is total sidetrack, and I'm sorry, but I'm gonna go here anyway. At man night, we were talking about Peter. And if you've ever read the story about Peter denies Jesus, the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, Peter cuts the guy's ear off. Why did he cut his ear off? Because he had terrible aim. That's it. You might have never thought about that before, but that is the only logical explanation. He missed his head and got his ear, right? But here's the impact of this verse to me, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. When you're holding a bow and arrow, not the one I had when I was nine years old, you shoot that thing up, it goes about 10 feet in the air and comes back down, okay? I wasn't shooting a compound bow into the sky, all right? But you're training, you're preparing, you're gonna hit that target. And when we launch our children into the world, they're going to hit a target. But the question that I wanna ask you is what target are they going to hit, okay? They're going to hit the target that you've been aiming them at. Whatever it may be. It may be the target of insecurity. It may be the target of superiority. It may be the target of pride. It may be the target of sports. When you launch them into the world, they're going to hit the target that you've been aiming at. What we all must do, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, is aim at Jesus. And you're never gonna get a bullseye, right? <laughs> But even if you hit that furthest out circle on the target of Jesus, that is an infinitely better shot than any other target you could have ever aimed at. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. We're releasing them into the world. We're launching them into the world. They're going to make a difference. They're going to hit a target. That's not the question. The question is, which target are they going to hit? I shared this in the story of David, three levels of living, right? The first level is survival. This is the most common level of living. This is where I work today for the food that I need tonight. It's the most basic level of living. It's the shallowest end of the pool, but it's where most people live their lives, okay? Even in our Western American culture where everyone is rich to some degree, even if you don't consider yourself rich, I promise you that once you see the world, you'll find that you're rich compared to most people, right? So even in our rich American culture, we just survive. We work to get the, the check, the groceries, we pay the rent, we pay the bills, we try really hard to keep our sanity, right? That's survival. And that's where most people live. We're just hanging on, right? The second level of living, if we're gonna go a little bit deeper than that, is success. 
This is where we might have some more freedom financially, some more independence from the things that hold us back. This is where we're no longer living paycheck to paycheck. We know where our next meal is coming from. We've achieved some things, we've collected some things and there's nothing wrong with this level of living. It's just not the ultimate level of living even though we often treat it as such. The ultimate level of living, the level of living that Jesus calls every single one of us to live is a life of significance. That's God's desire for each and every person. Survival is where I get through the day. Success is where I have a little bit more freedom, security, independence. Significance is where I'm making an impact. Significance is where I'm making a difference. Significance is where I'm living my life for something that is greater than myself. And here's how this plays out in the family. We do not want our children to grow up believing the false narrative that says, this world is just a really hard place and you just have to do everything you can to survive. We don't want them to be launched into the world, but that is their foundation, okay? We don't want them to grow up believing the false narrative that says success is the ultimate goal. We don't wanna launch them with that as their foundation. We want to launch them into the world having already adopted the different way of living that Jesus modeled with his life, okay? Living beyond survival and success is the idea that you're not living for yourself. It's not about me. It's not about my happiness, not about my comfort, not about me having more and consuming more and doing more and having fun all the time. The world is full of broken people who need the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And significance is where we're sharing it with them. Significance is where we're showing them, okay? In 840 weeks, tomorrow will be 839 weeks, my daughter will turn 18, okay? And I've been tracking this since week one. I have an app on my phone, dead serious. I have an app on my phone that reminds me every single day week, how much time we have left. I'll show you. You won't be able to see it, but I'll show you. There's a picture of my daughter and it changes every time I open this app. It's a new picture, which is kind of scary. Maybe Krista's updating it. I don't know, but it says Emery and there's a picture of her in a circle around. It says 839 weeks till they move on to what's next. And the clock is ticking. It's, it's there. Okay. And I've been tracking this since week one, not because I'm counting down the days and ready to get it over with. I've been tracking it since week one because it's a very short amount of time, okay? It seems to me like she was born yesterday and we've already used up 100 weeks almost. We're already almost to 100 weeks. And when these 839 weeks are up, I want her to know how to survive, yeah. I want her to know what it takes to succeed, absolutely. But what I really want for her is to know how to live a life of significance. So don't just make your children happy. Don't just keep them safe. If your goal as a parent is to keep your children happy and safe, you've done the bare minimum, congratulations. But there's far more to life than that. There's a life of significance. There's a life of service. There's a life of becoming a person who seeks to fulfill the great commission in the great commandment with a great commitment every day of our lives, loving God, loving people, making a significant difference in the world. The launch pad for that to take place is in your home. 
We gather here every Sunday. Keep coming, okay? We sing songs together. We worship God together. We read his word together. All of that is great. All of that is wonderful. I am not here to diminish the significance of Sundays. I'll do the exact opposite. This hour is the most important appointment of your entire week. But the most vital time that your children will experience this week will be at home. The far majority of time to influence your children will be at home. In the conversations that you have with one another, what they see in you, they're getting far more of that in a week than the hour that they're getting with us at Canaan Creek on Sundays. So the question that I wanna ask you today as we close out this series is which target are you aiming for as you prepare to launch your children? And are you modeling a life of significance for them? Are you modeling a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment? Have you made that commitment? Are you living it out? Are you walking the walk? Are they going to see it in you? Okay. Let me pray for you today. Father, we come and we just thank you for the wonderful responsibility that you've given each and every one of us to raise up the next generation well. We thank you, Father, that your word reminds us in Psalm 127 that children are a gift. Father, we thank you for that gift. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, they can be aimed, Father, at the target of your love, your grace, your plans, your purposes for their lives. And I thank you this morning, Father, for every parent in this room, for every grandparent in this room, for every person in this room who doesn't have children of their own. Help us all, Father, to seek your wisdom and guidance in the sacred task of nurturing the hearts and the minds of the children all around us. Father, I pray that you'd strengthen them. I pray that you'd grant them wisdom and patience and strength as they continue to mold and shape these precious lives in your image. And God, we pray for the children, the children in each of these families, the children in this church, the children in our community. Father, we lift them to you today. May they grow in wisdom and in stature just as Jesus did. May they find their identity in you alone. May they be like arrows in the hands of a skilled archer aimed straight toward your kingdom, carrying the message of, of your son Jesus with them everywhere they go in this broken world. Guide us, Father, as families in your word and in your truth and with your love. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I wanna give you an opportunity to get back on the right pathway. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. You've strayed. Maybe you're here. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never surrendered your heart to him. That's step one. Aiming your children for a better target begins with your decision to follow Jesus with your life, to believe in him, to make him the Lord and savior of your life. And the good news of the gospel is that you can find forgiveness and salvation 
in a relationship with Jesus because God sent him to this world and he lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death on a cross and he was buried in a tomb, but he came out of it alive so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know God, so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you today, you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Church, let's make this our prayer together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.